I'm Dante Centauri, and I love to talk about insects. I'm Mia Centauri, and I also love to talk about insects. So we'll be talking about insects together on Insect View. Welcome back to Insect View, everybody. And today's topic is about the fairy wasp. No way. I thought this was a herpetology podcast. Can I leave now? Yeah, you're actually out of contract, Mia. We had you in a one episode a $10 deal. Okay. <laughs> we we brought on someone who isn't an expert <laughs> in herpetology. <laughs> That'd actually be a good podcast com- co- concept. You you fake being an expert podcast in something, and you get in you get somebody in like you do like an art history podcast, and you pull in an art history expert, and you 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 pull the blindfold off, and it's a podcast about like carpentry, you know? Yeah. Well, just for this episode, we're going to be talking about the history of glue making in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it starts with the horse. What do you think about those horses, yeah. huh? <laughs> Have you ever read Animal Farm? Okay, we're getting way off topic. Yeah, fairy wasps are today's topic. Fairy wasps, also known as fairy flies, they're chalcid wasps in the family Mimaridae. And chalcid wasps are a very broad group of parasitic hymenopterans. They're usually quite small. Uh, you've probably seen them or haven't seen them. There are currently about 100 recognized genera containing around 1,400 species. That's almost certainly an underestimate because, in general, when you get to these micro-parasitic, tiny hymenopterans, uh, the estimates aren't usually. You have to do a, like add a bit of a plus-minus at the end of it because they're so small, and due to the like nature of parasitoids, they're probably more than you found. So you could safely estimate that there are probably more than fourteen hundred of these minority, especially because of their size. Yeah, and um, t- Chalcid wasps, some of the more uh, recognizable ones, they have those really big um like like hind hind tibias yeah they just have beefy thighs you know yeah that's that's like a, a lot of the ones that are that you recognize are are like that uh, they have that <laughs> that feature it is quite ridiculous honestly but such is not the most notable part of today's focus for uh which would actually be their size probably there's actually there's several notable things about them obviously but the most um kind of uh, outstanding thing about them is how small they are they're like really really tiny <laughs> Uh, from like like half a millimeter to a millimeter long, um, and actually the the world's smallest insect is a type of fairy fly. It's 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 like it's a male. It's the male of a certain species because they have like some sexual dimorphism, so like the males, uh, you know, would be smaller in that species. And it's only a uh, 0.15 millimeters long, um, which is just <laughs> it's really something to think about. Yeah, really, you can along with the super small one. Just in general, like, the regular size ones are extremely tiny, like, literal head of a pin size, you know, or a spot, like a sand grain. It's, you wouldn't notice it was a bug unless you were looking for it. And they're actually, um, they were some of the, like, some really popular subjects with uh, early microscopy, um, because they are the really fascinating insects. Uh, you know, like, they also, like, their wings uh, in particular like, very interesting to look at. So there's a lot of, like, examples of pictures of them from, like, early 20th century and that kind of thing, um, which is really interesting. It's, like, because people have, you know, been, been captivated uh, by them for a really long time. There's actually, I found a, uh, like, an old entomological illustration of one from 1840. Yeah, and their wings are, are definitely one of the more notable parts. Yeah, and you mentioned the wings, but the reason they're so notable is because their structure is not particularly wing-like. The actual solid wing-like filament is rather small on a lot of the... It looks like Q-tips. Um, um, yeah, a little, on a lot of my Marty's, it's quite small. And it's surrounded by these like hair-like bristles that extend from the wings. I have a pic- I actually found one. Uh, I found an example of this sort of wing type that I'll post to Twitter. 
and the it's surrounded by these hair-like bristles. And this this is actually for aerodynamic purposes because when you get to that, when an insect gets that small, it, the physics of air kind of basically the physics of air change from how we interact with it. And so that they need to have these hair-like bristles so their wings can kind of move through the fluid that air kind of becomes at that at that size. When they come together, when they clap the wings together, it helps them uh, fling the wings apart after the clap so that it can do this little clap and fling type method that a lot of small insects do. But yeah, and the, this clap and fling where they clap together in the upswing and they just fling the wings down and uh, get flight off that. And then without the, without the bristles, it'll be challenging for them to pull the wings apart after pushing them together. Basically when they're, when the wings are away from each other, they can act more as a kind of like a paddle and push through the air. When they get closer, they lose that ability and kind of cut through the air easier. So it's a really interesting kind of aerodynamic uh, necessity that the wings look so strange. And yeah, so like they're also uh, being you know, so, so tiny. Uh, yeah, it kind of affects their life cycle too. Uh, they're all, I, th- all, I think all, all of the known species are like parasitoids. Uh, like they lay their eggs in other insects and specifically parasitism results in the death of the host. Um, so yeah, so they lay their eggs in kind of like, it varies species, like from across species, but it's a pretty, you know, pretty broad, um, list of, of orders, but it seems like it's pretty common for them to parasitize uh, hemapterums or, or true bugs. And there's also something kind of interesting about them is that they, it, it will often have really extreme, um, like difference in, uh, in like gender ratios in different, uh, like differing from species species and like, whereas, so like sometimes they'll be like. Uh, like way more females to males, sometimes it'll be way more males to females, um, which is just kind of like an interesting phenomenon. And some some um, can actually even produce uh, through parthenogenesis. And they actually like they live most of their life, you know, as like a larval stage. Which, but that's really not even uh, that much. They only live for like maybe a few days, maybe a week um, as adults. It differs again from species to species. Um, but some of them actually do have mouth parts and, and, and feed, which it will like increase their lifespan because you know in, in time for them to find a mate um, if there are no mates in their immediate area. But they can lay a lot of eggs too. They can lay uh, like or like around a hundred eggs even. So yeah, they're really really fascinating. Yeah, I gotta imagine that the process of actually finding a mate is probably not probably not that documented because it's so small, and tracking them would be like very mm-hmm. challenging. But I imagine the process of finding a mate is a real adventure for these guys because if it's a foot away, then that's still a hell of a journey. You're about to find the the girl of your dreams, and the car runs by, and suddenly yeah. gets sucked into like no. the highway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, oh come on, Jesus! <laughs> ah, she was the one. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! This is the third time this has happened. Yeah. My God! <laughs> if someone just walks past you. Yeah, no. There's a bunch of other there's a bunch of other fireflies stuck in the divine on the highway. Like yeah. you too? Yeah. Yeah. She was the one, wasn't she? Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, and another kind of they actually are um, you know, good for us, uh more directly. because uh, they actually have been used a lot of times in, you know, some uh biological pest control uh endeavors. Um because they're so they're really small. They are really good at locating, like, uh, their hosts. And also because a lot of times, you know, like, they, they'll have, like, like different groups of them will be able to parasitize. Like, they have, like, a lot of different hosts that they can parasitize, like I mentioned. So, you know, like, they can be viable for beetles or plant hoppers, like, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of cases I found about them actually being used to control plant hoppers in specific. So there was a, a, 
a problem with sugarcane plant hoppers um, in Hawaii, they're actually like they're actually able to successfully uh, control that um, by using a, a species of uh, fairy fly, which is like really yeah, it's actually it's good for good for the economy. <laughs> um, it's good for the economy. Start <laughs> get the, if we get enough of them in like like a big box or something, maybe we can use the electricity to to mine like crypto or something. Like yeah, that. if we we fill up a human suit with just a billion zillion fairy flies, we can have them sit at like a Forbes terminal and just kind of slump around. Yeah, sacrifice like ten billion individual uh, fairy flies to produce one Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> Ten cents, perfect. <laughs> yeah, just like a just like a grinder. You dump yeah. them in, just burn, spits <laughs> at a Dogecoin. Yeah. <laughs> another another fun little thing about speaking of mining, uh, a fun thing uh, about Myanmar today is there are a lot of really interesting old specimens preserved in amber. The oldest one they found is date, dates to about one hundred ten million years million years ago, which is smack in the Albion period, which is like full on dinosaur times. Like, this wasn't those transitional periods where it was mostly mammals, but, like, no. This is full, giant, like, brontosaurus-type dinosaurs, raptors, uh, plesiosaurs. All, you know those all those weird crocodiles that kind of look a bit like it should be a dog, but it isn't? It was before nature really figured out what it wanted to do with crocodiles. Yeah. This is kind of like the, the design phase. Like, there's one of them that has really long legs. One of them has a really tiny face. One of them is just runs like an ant, like, like a mammal. All very strange, but and they look really quite similar to what they do today. Like, yeah. really, if you see the piece in amber, you might not immediately recognize that it was some archaic insect. Like the form hasn't yeah. hasn't changed that much. Yeah, nature uh, kind of put that one out there and was like, eh, maybe we'll come back to it later. And then you know, like what, like two hundred million years later, she's like, oh, you know what, this is still working. Like, this is- <laughs> yeah, they forgot it under the uh, they forgot it yeah. under the kitchen sink or something. Like, oh, it's still here. Hey. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's like, it's like a plant you left in the garage over winter, and it's still growing when you come back. It's like, oh, you made it. Nice. Well, thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Uh, we will see you next time. And in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and you can also, of course, check out our podcast wherever you're listening to right now, I guess. Um, but we're on, uh, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. And we also have a website that you can check out. Um, that's linked in our Twitter. You can check that out. So that's the end of the podcast. And thanks for tuning in. See you next time.